Hey, good morning. If you're in the room or joining us online, we're really glad that you're here, especially if you're new. I see we've got some few new people here today. Really glad that you are worshiping with us. Uh, if you are new, I'm Charlie, uh, the lead pastor here, and very glad uh, you're with us. And we are. We're starting a new series today on relationships, which we do just about every February. We spend some time just kind of talking about the best ways that we can love each other and really kind of help grow kind of these most, you know, especially the, the most intimate, closest relationships that we have. And so looking forward to sharing that with you guys over the next uh, few weeks. Um, so my wife and I, you know, we, we will have been married when um, this June, we've been married 29 years, which is, uh, sometimes people say that, like, well, that's a long time, like, like, like somebody's doing a bit. It's not a bit. It is a long time. It's a good, good long time, right? We've been married a long time. And it's been good, and we've had just a lot of opportunities, I would say, in those 29 years as we've been doing ministry, just to have a lot of couples, uh, you know, that are about to get engaged, that are about to get married, that are, that are, that are married, and we just have be able to talk about relationships. We've had, uh, been able to lead small groups, little workshops, and even in large group settings, have had just a lot of opportunity to kind of talk about this, and it's something that's very important to us because, you know, really, you know, the, the you know, one of the things that really can kind of just make or break us personally or spiritually is like the health of our relationship, especially our, most, our closest ones. And over the last few years, four out of the last five summers, the only one we were able to do is the, is the I'll say COVID summer. I mean, there were a lot of COVID summers. The COVIDiest summer, the, the, the OG, the original, the original COVID summer. Uh, we've been able to go to these summer projects read by this college group called Stumo, where Heidi and I have been able to hold these, do these relationships conferences at these things called Kaleo, these summer projects. And um, we've really enjoyed it. And, but I always think about this, right? They're kind of a big, they're kind of a big hype, they, they, like a lot of hype. And especially around their relationships conference, we noticed this the very first time. It's like this huge pep rally. Relationships conference is going to be so great. Relationships conference. And, just, and, and the hype and the loud and the energy and everything. And I just think about this every year, right? They're spending all this time in the days leading up to it talking about how great this is about to be. And then they bring up the speaker and it is this old dude. Like, I mean, like, oh, it's the, you, can feel, you can feel the letdown. And even though his significantly more attractive and seemingly younger wife walks up with it, it still is like, great relationships conference with my mom and dad. <laughs> like, I just can't, like, who wants that? But obviously, it's going well to a degree because we keep getting invited back um, uh, to do this. And, you know, in part because, you know, we are a little older. We're outside the org, which is good. And because of that, we'll say things that they won't say. Like, if you, like, I can say something like, I don't know, a little saucy, a little edgy, and then just kind of walk away. And then they, they have to deal with it because I'm headed to the beach with my family. And it's always at a cool place, always in Florida. So we always bring our kids and then our older daughters, I mean, like, they've, they've, heard, the, they've heard the edgy content. They can, can we just, can I just not this year? It's like, no, you can, you can, stay, you can stay back at the hotel. And, and, and they're, they're, one of their goals, I mean, they, they wouldn't say this outright, but I think one of their goals is to kind of keep these college students from dating. Like they, like, they just don't want them to date. And our objective, Heidi and I, is it's similar enough where there's kind of some overlap. We're not anti-dating, but... We do, like, it's a big deal. And again, it's like, man, we don't want you to take this too casually. You need to think about this before you step into a relationship where you're kind of, that has the potential to become intimate. 
But you need to at least consider some things before you step into it. Because you have the ability to really get your heart broken or to really hurt somebody, to get really hurt. We just need to be a lot more thoughtful um, about this. And so the question that we will very often ask, and it kind of ends this way, it's kind of our last thing, is like, are you ready? Are you ready to be in a relationship? And we kind of go through these, these kind of checklist kinds of things. And that's not exactly what we're going to be doing over this next month, because that would be a really weird thing. Like, guys, spend some time, and we're going to talk about whether or not you're ready to be in a committed relationship or not. Because for most of the people in the room, like, too late. Like, I'm already here, right? I'm, I'm already there. So it's not about that. There are a few of us that if we're, you know, there are a few of us here who that, that would be a, a relevant question for us. Am I really ready ready? Um, for a committed relationship. But rather than being at the end, uh, we'll bring this to the beginning, and we're going to ask it kind of a different way, which is this. Are you a healthy person in your relationships? Not, is your relationship healthy? Now, we're not going to spend any time right now, not in this first week, diagnosing relationships. So here's the things that are kind of the elements of whether or not a relationship is healthy and here's what you need to do. We're not going to do that. We're just really going to talk about you. Are you a healthy person in the context of your relationships? Because the reality of it is, um, sometimes we'll say, we'll say things like this, right? Especially, you, you, get, a group of, you get, get a group of ladies together and you get them to start talking about guys and then they'll start saying things, right? And why are, why are guys all jerks? Why are they all idiots? And sometimes with this conversation that Heidi and I have to have with people, it's like, I mean, we'll talk to a woman, it's, like, it's not that you got a broken one, you just got one. And you, I mean, you can trade that in, but it's, 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 it's going to be essentially the same. They are all, we are all kind of have a lot of these same qualities. And you get a group of guys together and they'll say similar things. I got to be a little more careful here. But, you know, it's like, man, they're all, they're all crazy is what they'll say, right? They're great. Why are they, why are they all so crazy? And, and we'll, we make these kind of broad, we make the, all these broad statements. It just seems like there aren't any good guys out there. It seems like no matter what I do, always, the bad, relationship's bad. It just seems like, no. and eventually I like, it's like, maybe your picker is broken, Right? Because the, the realization of it is, if you start saying things like, it just seems like no one really gets me. It just seems like everywhere I go, people are always trying to like, I just can't seem to, no matter who and everybody and everyone and all the time, the common factor in all of your relationships is you. And the reality of it is, it's, and we can get real conspiratorial Everybody I talk to is like, no one seems to get me. Everybody seems to da 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 And we can get real conspiratorial in our brain, like somehow the world is out to get us, and we never take the time to say, it's like, well, maybe it's, maybe, it's something that, that, that I, maybe it's something that I'm doing. Maybe, may, may, maybe if there's some things that I personally need to work on in order to be a healthy person in the relationships, and if, if I can just elevate my own personal game, then, then all of my relationships will be enhanced and benefited, and will benefit from that. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at three different verses um, that I believe really kind of establish really the foundation for what I would say is what the Bible has to say about our relationships. 
One is from Jesus and two are from Paul. And I think put these three things together and, and kind of the passages that will ultimately come from them, I think really are really the foundational truths and principles that we need to grasp if we're going to have healthy relationships. And I think with each one of these verses, and we'll spend some time over the next few weeks going through maybe the passages that they, that, that they introduce a little more in depth, but right now, we're just kind of going to look at these verses that kind of give the thesis of each one of these things, the big idea. And then we're going to have a question. So we get this big principle that I think that God has for us in our relationship, and then, a, and then a question that we need to ask ourselves to kind of help us figure out, you know, am I right now, as I currently am, am I capable of doing this thing? And I'm really asking some good introspective questions. And so the very first one is in Matthew chapter 22. And in the context here, someone has asked Jesus, what, are the, what is the most important command in all the scripture? And Jesus, they only asked him for one. He could have simply given one. But because of how important both of them were together, Jesus felt that, that he needed to give two. And the first one is you need to love God with everything that you are, your heart, your soul, your mind, strength, everything. You need to love him with everything that you are. And then he says this in verse 39. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that is a great concept. It is, just, it is just brilliant phrasing from Jesus there. To love people the way that you love yourself. And if this is all we were talking about, I have a really concise little talk that I can give around that. If you've been around here long enough, maybe you've heard me say this. You know, things about the way, how do we love ourselves and how can we make, you know, attribute that to other people, you know. I am always looking out for what's best for me. I may not always hit it, but I'm always trying. I'm always trying to do what's best for me. Same way we should be with other people. I'm very forgiving with myself. I'm always giving me more chances. Because the reality is no one has hurt me more than me. No one has done me wrong more than me. No one has caused more problems in my life for me than me. And you know what? I wake up the next day and I'm like, bro, I still believe in you. You're going, to, you, you, you're going to be able to do it. You're to, I, know, I know we hurt ourselves yesterday and the week before, but you, I forgive you and we're going to, we're going to move forward together every, every time. Like, what if we could just bring even a fraction of that level of forgiveness into our relationships, right? If we can love the way that we love ourselves. But the reality of it is some people hear that. It's like, what if, what if, I, don't, what if I don't love myself? What if, I, what if I don't? And honestly, even as I was saying it, like, I forgive myself. I really don't forgive myself. Not very well. I mean, I can remember. It happens to me. It's so frustrating. You're just minding your own business, driving around, just living your life. And you remember something from 15 years ago that was embarrassing and something really stupid. And I was like, man, you're, wait, yeah, that, was, you're, that was just a really idiot thing to do. Like, bro, it was 15 years ago. Let it go. I don't treat anybody else that way, but sometimes I can, I, can, I can have a hard time forgiving myself. And some people will say this. It's like, well, you know, it says love your neighbor yourself. What, what if I don't love myself? And some people use that as kind of a deflection, but sometimes it's just real. It's just real and that it is difficult. One of the difficult reasons why we have, one of the reasons why we have problems in our relationship are around this idea. We don't start with a really healthy appreciation and love for ourselves. So our first question is this, do you, do you love yourself? And I know this is going to sound a little 
touchy-feely, psychological, weird, maybe here for a second. But I think it is absolutely critical for us to spend some time thinking about this. Because the way that you view yourself is going to affect every one of your relationships. And do you have a right view and understanding of who you are and how valuable you are and the way that the God of the universe views you and the value that he places on you? Because if you have something less than that, then it's going to have a trickle-down bad effect in your relationships. Because what happens is, is that people begin, people who kind of have these too low a view of themselves... They start to think, well, maybe I'm not really worthy of love. And you begin to start accepting really just kind of unacceptable treatment of yourself because you've convinced yourself that that's all you deserve. I don't deserve to be happy. I don't deserve to be loved well. And you start to tell yourself these things and you're settling for something. And then one day you wake up and you wonder why everyone seems to be treating you in a way that you don't really like. And the reality of it is, is that you have, maybe not explicitly, but in some way, you've told them it's okay. You've told them that that this is an acceptable way to be treated, to be taken advantage of. And it comes from an unhealthy view of yourself. And this has really been a journey for me, I think, over the last 30-ish years, which is really long. It was terrible. I I hate hate getting up here. I I don't know about you. I mean, some of you... Most of you are younger than me. A lot of you are way younger than me. A few of you are older than me. But anytime I get up here and I got a story to tell that's 32 years old, I'm like, oh, good gracious. But I do have a story to tell that is 32 years old. I was a sophomore in college. And what I was like in high school and in my early years of college, and some of you have been around me long enough, you can kind of at least understand this. I was, I was the hype guy, the energy guy, the guy who was always ready to do something funny, any to do anything for a laugh, just to kind of keep the energy up, just kind of the, you know, the, the kind of guy who was like, if someone were to say, hey, you know what would be funny? Like, I'm in. And more times than not, I'm the one that's doing it. And more, really, honestly, more times than not, I, a lot of times I would try to talk you into doing it because I didn't necessarily want to get into trouble. But you know what would be hilarious? And just bringing a lot of hype and energy. And like, I'm always willing to do that thing that you're not willing to do, to be a little bit louder, a little bit goofier. That's just, and that, I was like that almost all the time. And, um, you know, just... I'm going to figure out a way to tell this whole story, but I'm just going to give you a little teaser right now. Heidi and I, went, we went on a trip together just for a few days, and we found ourselves, because we were willing to cross lines and do things that other people weren't, we found ourselves as accidentally extras on the filming of a movie. It's a Mark Wahlberg movie that's coming out this year. We didn't get to meet him, but anyways, we just willing to kind of just do it. Like, what if we, what if we did it? And we just kind of, kind of like that, right? And um, I remember this. It was my sophomore year of college. I was hanging out with my then-girlfriend, Heidi, and her roommate, and I was just kind of sitting there, just kind of being chill. I was kind of tired. I wasn't in a bad mood, but I just wasn't feeling it, you know. I was just kind of just chilling. And she looks at me, and she goes, what's wrong with you? I'm like, nothing. I'm fine. Why aren't you being funny? And I'm like, and, and it kind of hit me, and I was just like, I, I, that's not who I want to be. I don't want me, I don't want to have my, my, uh, my value with people to be defined by whether or not I'm entertaining them and being, la- and being laughed at and being loud. Sometimes I don't want to be that guy. And I've kind of grown comfortable with kind of being both of those guys. And if you've been around long enough, you've seen me do things and sing and do karaoke and just do like, like whoa, like where is this guy coming from? But then 
If you see me on a Monday morning at Chick-fil-A, you'll think, I think that guy hates people. I mean, it's like, and it's like, it's, it's like I, I'm being, becoming more comfortable with who I am, right? And I've also been learning over the last few years, and I've, I've, I started seeing the counselor about five years ago. And it was, even me bringing that up right now in a Christian context can be a little controversial. You're going to see a counselor, right? Because some people are like, well, why do you need a counselor? You got, you got the Bible, all you need is Jesus. And like, are you going? And the people say this. This is what people say. Are you going to a secular counselor? Like, bro, I go to a secular bank. Like, I mean, like I, I mean, I, these people who are incredibly well trained in helping you recognize patterns of thinking that are unhealthy, right? And can help you see something like uh, to me. I think about it, it's like it's like like they're, they're over here going, "Do you see this?" And I'm like, "I don't." And they're just equipped in being able to help you see something that you can't. And it's been an incredible journey for me, and just kind of helping me understand kind of some unhealthy patterns in my life. And one of them I realize is I'm not really good, I haven't been really good at telling people what I want. Like I've always kind of felt like my life was about helping other people. My life's always about other people. It's not about me. And so, so people aren't giving me what I want or what I need, but it's because I haven't told them because I feel like, well, I'm not supposed to. My job is to help, not to be helped. To love, not to be loved. And just kind of helping me have a greater understanding of that has only improved every relationship in my life. And, and just being more aware of me and, and, and how God views me and what God really sees when he sees me and I'm telling you, no matter where you are, it would, it, would, it, would, it would help you. It would up your game in every way if you had a clearer understanding about the way that God views you as created uniquely in his image, in his likeness, carefully crafted, uniquely and wonderfully made, seen from before anyone else could see you, uniquely crafted and loved by God fearfully and wonderfully made. Unfailing love is what the Bible describes the love of God in your life. And even when the Bible talks about sin and you being a sinner, in Romans chapter 5, it says God saw that and while you were at your worst, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. When he saw you at your very worst, he said, I need to send my son to go rescue them. Because you are incredibly loved and valued by God. And I think it is important for us to agree with God about who we are and to view ourselves as children of God created in his image who have incredible value in the heart and mind of God. And then when we are able to, again, when we, I think we can have that view, it is only going to help every relationship that we have. Another critical verse is in Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5 and 6, Paul spends a lot of time talking about the nature of several different types of relationships, husband and wife, children and their parents. And, but before he gets into all of that, he kind of has this thesis statement that he gives in Ephesians 5.21. The thesis, like, like the big idea, the big picture. Here's what I'm about to talk to you about. And we'll spend a lot more time talking about this next week. We're going to get really deep into it. So I'm not going to talk about it as much this week. But what he says here at the very beginning, Ephesians 5.21, is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
And this idea of submit, it means I'm going, to, I'm going to make myself a little bit less than. I'm going to give up something to give you something. So if I'm going to submit to you, I'm going to think, it's not, this is not about what I want, but it is about me giving you what you need. I'm going to do that for you. And it says submit to one another. So I'm going to do that for you and believe and trust that you're going to be able to do that for me. And rather than me having to get what I want from you and you having to get what you want from me, I'm going to do that for you and believe that you're going to do that for me. And this becomes the foundation for what everything else that Paul's going to say about what healthy relationships look like. But if you're paying attention, you can see kind of the flaw in this. I'm going to give up what is in my best interest to do what is in yours. But what if, what if they don't? What if we end up in a relationship where I'm willing to do this and they aren't willing to do this? Now I'm being taken advantage of. So the question we have to ask is, are you able to trust? Are you able to trust other people? Now, if we were just having a fun, casual conversation, and I'd be like, man, do you trust people? I'd be like, no, man, I don't trust people. Have you been around people? I mean, people. It's like, people say, oh, man, I trust everybody. You trust everybody? Every, like, have you met anybody? Like, well, of course I don't trust people. I've been around enough people. People are just, man, they will disappoint you. They will hurt you. They, they, they're not reliable. That's just kind of how people are. And I don't mean that as an insult to you because I, am, in fact, am a people, Right? <laughs> And we can be like this, and we can like, ha, 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 right? Have you ever ever had the fortunate slash unfortunate um, opportunity to ever be in kind of one of those team building exercises with the trust trust fall, right? And you got to do the thing or you're going to fall back, right? And you got to trust the team to catch you, right? And here's the deal. Uh, I mean, I believe everybody here in this room, if it really came down to it and we were doing a trust fall, I believe that everybody in this room would catch me. However, I know some of you, and I know some of you well enough to know that in the right circumstances, you would have a conversation and be like, you know what would be funny though? <laughs> right to not, right? And honestly, I get it because I'm, 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 not, I'm not that guy. I'm the guy who in the trust fall, they, yeah, I'll catch you. I promise I'm going ca- to catch you right here. Like, okay, I got you. And then I'm going to try to catch you right here because I think it's funny. That's not the kind of thing that I'm talking. I'm not talking about a healthy view that people are unreliable, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm also not talking about, ha, 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 my friends might get me because it's funny and it'd be a bit. And that, that, I, I get all of that. I'm not talking about that. When we say, are you able to trust? But really, are you capable It's not that I don't trust people, it's I, I can't. I can't trust people. It's, I'm, I'm really not capable of allowing somebody in to know who I really am and to really allow myself to be vulnerable in a relationship because I have been hurt too many times. And I want you to hear, when, I, when you hear me say that, I don't want you to hear me say that that it is invalid to feel that way. People who feel that way, that feel like that I really cannot really open up, I can't really trust people, I can't really be vulnerable, even around the people 
that I am in committed relationships with. If you are like that, it is very likely that it has come from a place of real hurt based on historical truths in your life. But if that is where you currently are, you need to understand that it is holding you back in your relationships. Your inability to truly trust people is a real hindrance to your intimacy. And so we're going to have to figure out through talking with somebody, through a spiritual process with God, through good conversations with the relationships that you currently have that are essentiable, like the, 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 the non-negotiable relationships, the, 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 the committed ones, maybe having conversations with those people about what it would look like and, and why you struggle with this and to have honest conversation with them, with a professional, with God about how you can learn to heal and to trust again. Now hear me say this. I want to make sure that I'm very clear because we're going to talk about with the third question. This is going to kind of come up too, but I want to say this very clearly. I am not talking about you entering back into a relationship that is abusive. I am not. I, you will never hear me say anything that if you're in a relationship that is abusive, you have to step back into it. You'll never hear me say that. The reality though is, is that there are some of us who would say, no, this is a, an abusive relationship, and it's not. But then there's also some of us that would say, no, this isn't an abusive relationship. This is just kind of how he is. And it is, in fact, an abusive relationship. Sometimes, in the same way that our picker can be broken, our sensor can be broken. And we need a little bit of help about whether or not a relationship really, truly is safe to step back into or not. Because sometimes we don't know. That's why we need a little bit of help. But again, hear me say... I'm not asking you to step back into abuse. But for the overwhelming majority of us, that's not what we're talking about. My trust issues aren't about stepping back into a relationship with someone who is abusive. Really, the trust issues come from, I don't know that I can trust you because of this other thing that happened to me back here with this person that I'm not in a relationship with anymore. Or maybe it's just kind of just, we've just hurt each other enough. I don't know that I can trust you again. Not at that deep level, but just at a, again, a, a, just a normal way. Normal, not in a good way, but just normal. But the reality of it is, if, if you can't really share and be who you are, and if you really can't trust that person with who you are, then that relationship is going to be hindered. And too often, people will hear me say something like that or somebody say, like, if you can't have that level of trust, there's something wrong with the relationship. And we think, I'm going to dump the relationship. But you've got some relationships that are not optional, that you can't dump. And this is not about necessarily dumping the relationship, especially if it's mandatory. But there are some relationships maybe we do need to get out of or not get into. But the reality of it is, regardless you've got to learn to be able to trust. You've got to learn to be able to not be one of these people that's just kind of walking around as like a constant defense mechanism thinking everybody's always out to get you. And that the people that God has placed in my life, my really good friends, my family, my, 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 my fiance, my, my, my spouse, that, I, that I, I, I can trust them. All right, the last verse we're going to look at is in Philippians chapter 2. And in the larger context of this, which we'll come again back to 
over the next few weeks. And I do, I encourage you. I encourage you to try to get it into your rhythm that you're gonna be here every week for the next three weeks. Because these this, this, this kind of build on each other. And I think, again, this is a very critical aspect of our lives is the health of our relationships. So we'll spend some more time talking about this. He basically what he's talking about is that our relationships need to look like, we need to love people the way that Jesus loves. And as he's kind of setting this up in Philippians chapter 2, he says this, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So, I mean, pretty simple here. It kind of builds a little bit on what we talked about in, in, the, in the first one, you know, about submitting to one another. When you are thinking about your relationships, you just shouldn't simply think about, what, do I, what can I get? But what can I give? And so the question that we need to ask and, and to try to answer is, can you give or can you only take? And, and when I'm in relationships, like I have a level of anxiety and I have some fear in me that's like, I, I, can only, I can only take, I can only take. I'm not really a giver. And that could be you. And again, there's two types of people that we could be talking about here. There's some of us here, when I say that, you're, just, you're, a, you're a taker and you can't give, that really we're just talking about good old-fashioned, immature selfishness. You're bringing the same energy to your relationship that the toddlers right now are bringing in the toddler room. And this is a classic toddler and drive. We did the toddler room for six years when we were first married. It was great. And if you want, like you've got, you, if, you, if, they, if, you've, if like a kid's got a toy, another kid wants that toy, and so you're needing this kid to be interested in a different toy, it is a classic thing. All you have to do is find any toy in that room, and you start taking an interest in it. Oh, ooh, wow, wow, wow. And all of a sudden, I can like, hmm. And now they're going to take that one from you. And maybe if you're lucky, they'll drop the first one. You can give that one to the other kid, right? All you got to do to get a toddler to take something is to act like you want it. If you want it, then I need it. That's the way toddlers are. Let's be honest. Some of us have not progressed. (laughs) And, And we need to consider that. We need to consider just kind of growing up, bringing a little more maturity and kind of throwing off toddlerism, throwing off kind of what, what, we, what teenagers can often be like. Kind of throwing that off and learning what it means to be a mature person in a relationship where I'm thinking about other people. But again, that's not the only thing that's going on. Because very often, again, just like we were talking about before, this can come from a place of woundedness. Because of something from your past, Maybe even something in your present because you feel like no one cares. No one has ever cared. They have, people have only hurt you. That you have this really kind of deep-rooted anxiety that says, I, I, have, I, have, I have to take it. No one will ever love me well enough to give me what I need, so I have to take it. And we unintentionally become a very selfish person in the relationship, kind of repeating some of the same patterns And if we struggle with that, if we struggle with trust, if we struggle with the ability to have a really healthy view of kind of who we are in the eyes and in the heart of God, if we struggle with one or some combination of all of those, 
the solutions are all pretty similar. We're going to have to heal. There's a healing that has to happen. There's a change of heart and perspective. There's There's a renewal that needs to happen inside of us. And when we start saying things like healing from long-term hurts, we start saying things like renewal. Now it becomes a supernatural issue. This becomes the kind of thing that really only God can do. Because to have this kind of submit to one another relationship, to have an attitude that says, I'm going to be thinking about you in the context of relationship instead of me, that is a supernatural thing. It is a very countercultural thing. And, and really, by all reasonable accounts, is an impossible perspective to have. But when I say impossible, what I mean is only possible through Jesus Christ. And it is a reflection and a deepening of our understanding of the gospel, of what Jesus Christ did for you, of sacrificing everything that was to his benefit in order to give you life. When you experience that kind of love, that's kind of really the first step to being able to give that sort of love. But then when you receive that through the gospel, the Holy Spirit, God's presence, God begins to dwell inside of you. And now I have supernatural resources available to be more selfless, to to heal from something that feels like will be impossible to heal from. The healing and the tools that I, ha- that I need can come from God's spirit in me as I fully embrace and understand the gospel of his son, Jesus. So there are conversations that we need to have, again, maybe with a professional, maybe with our friends, maybe with the people that we're in these relationships with. Those need to happen. But at a deeper level, the real healing that needs to happen is something that God can do And not just that he can do, he will do, he wants to do. Again, as we fully understand the gospel, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for you, and really understand what it means to take that personally and experience that level of unconditional love. And then what God does when he renews you, he says he'll make you new. And then his spirit will come to live in you. Now I can can do this. So just again, we're going to spend the next three Sundays talking about our relationships. But before we even get to that, there's some real questions that I think would be critical for you this week to ask, to ask of yourself. A moment of real honesty and self-reflection. And then as you answer these questions, let's just begin to ask God through his gospel, through his spirit, to heal us from our hurt and give us the resources that we need to be the kind of people, to be a healthy person in healthy relationships. Let me pray. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus, and the love that he showed and just the power of the gospel. And God, I do pray that in real ways, we would experience that. that we would experience the unconditional love that comes through your son, Jesus. And that God, that you would make us new. 
God, I pray that we'd be able to hear and listen to your spirit, be led by him. And they've gone through supernatural means and got through hard work. We would heal from what is holding us back. And God, that you would allow us to have a real healthy view of ourselves. That we would believe what you believe about us. And God, I pray that you would help us grow in our ability to trust and to serve and to love. And again, we are so thankful for your son who makes all this possible. And it's in his name that we pray, amen.